This is the Intego Mac Podcast for November 8th, 2017. In this episode, recently concerns have been raised about allowing apps too much access to your iPhone's features. We'll tell you what you need to look out for and precautions you can take. Plus, the pros and cons of allowing delivery drivers access to the inside of your home as part of the new Amazon Key service. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? Great, Kirk. How are you doing today? I'm good. We changed from daylight saving time back to normal time last weekend, so I'm a little bit confused. And I think you changed this weekend, yeah. so we'll be at the same time as we used to be next week. It's like jet lag twice a year. Good old daylight saving time. So every time we think of security, there are always all these things to worry about. And every now and then, more new things to worry about come along. Recently, a developer named Felix Krauss published an article that pointed out that an app running on iOS could access both of your cameras anytime it is running. Now, if you've used any app on an iPhone or an iPad and it wants to access your camera, you get a dialog the first time the app wants to do that. Um, let's say you're using a third-party camera app or an app like Instagram where you can take photos and share them. So you're going to get a dialog that's asking you to allow the app to use the camera. And if you go into the privacy settings in iOS, you'll see the apps that have requested access and to which you've granted and you can turn them off. But this developer says that, well, this is sort of a proof of concept, but that any app could be able to access both the front and back camera at any time. Should we be scared, Josh? I would say for the most part, no. This is not really something that most legitimate apps are really going to be doing spying on you using your built-in camera on your device. So for example, the Facebook app, I don't really anticipate that Facebook is going to be watching your every move and recording videos of you when you're, you know, in your underwear or things like that. It's not really something that a legit ethical developer is going to be doing. Where it may become a little bit more of a concern is with apps that only have a few downloads or only a few reviews. If you've not really heard of it, it's not a very popular app and it's from a developer that you've never heard of before, there's a greater probability that features, hidden features like that, that can use your camera when you're not necessarily expecting it to, where things like that might be more likely to happen. We generally trust that Apple has verified all the apps that they sell in the App Store, that they've vetted them very carefully, that they've actually tested them. But is this the kind of thing that they could actually miss if they weren't aware of it? Yeah, absolutely. So it, there there have been similar circumstances in the past where um, developers have been able to slip something into an iOS app that Apple just didn't catch um, in their review process. And typically, when especially when it becomes a high-profile thing, then Apple will start to include that in their typical checks and maybe even their automated checks of, of the applications they get submitted for review. But if this is a relatively new thing and something that, you know, hasn't really been a problem in the past, then it's certainly possible that it could slip past the review 
process and could actually get into the App Store. So the real threat, according to this developer, is that it could record you at any time the app is in the foreground, only when you're using a specific app. And it could take pictures and videos, and it could upload them to a, a remote server. And then the article also says it could run real-time face recognition to detect facial features or expressions. You know, you can't swing a cat anymore without seeing an article that's talking about facial recognition since Face ID was announced for the iPhone X. This has nothing to do with Face ID. This is the kind of face recognition that could be used to compare you to another photograph, in other words, to identify you, the same way that, you know, if you watch one of these thrillers on TV, like 24 or whatever the current version is, that they've got these cameras, and then they zoom in, and they get this high-quality zoom in from a satellite picture, and they run it through this database, which flashes about 7,000 faces before it finally zeroes in on the one they're looking for. But I don't think an app is going to be doing facial recognition for that sort of purpose. No, the creepiest part of this, I mean, and there, there are kind of a few things that uh, that uh, Felix Krauss talks about in this in this article. He, um, I, I think the, the creepiest one is definitely the ability that developers would have to take pictures secretly or to stream video of you secretly. And again, as you mentioned, this is something that can only happen while the app is in the foreground. That's an important point. So if an app prompts you to enable camera access, what you should be thinking about when you see that dialog box is, why is this app requesting this? Is there a legitimate need for this? And sometimes it might be something like, you know, maybe they'll uh, take a picture of you for a profile for that application. Yeah, for an avatar or something. Right, exactly. But then does it really need access to your camera ever again after that? If, if it's that kind of a circumstance where, where it's asking for it for a one-time use, you can absolutely just turn off that camera feature um, and, and not have the app have that capability ever again. That would be really the safest way to ensure that an app is not going to be able to spy on you through your cameras. As an example, I've just gone on my iPhone to settings, privacy, camera. This is where you see all the apps that have requested access to the camera. And it's interesting to see some of them that I wouldn't have thought of. I have an app for the National Lottery. That's the lottery here in the UK. And the reason it's asked for camera access is because every lottery ticket has a QR code and you can use the app to scan the QR code instead of entering your numbers. One password has asked for camera access. And I assume that had something to do with a QR code that I needed to make one password work with something else. Instagram, obviously, because one of the original purposes of Instagram was for you to take pictures and upload them immediately. Evernote, because with Evernote, you can scan a document um, with the camera, and Evernote actually does a sort of optical character recognition. And then I have another app, really cool. It's called Vivino or Vivino. You go into the supermarket or to a liquor store, and you scan a label on a bottle of wine, and it tells you what it is, whether it's good and how much it's worth. But if you go into settings, privacy, camera, and you see any apps that you don't think should be requesting use of the camera, then you should immediately toggle them off. And it's just the little standard toggle switch to, that you tap to turn it off. Exactly. That's exactly right. And there are some other things under, under privacy as well. Um, there's location services, which gives an app the ability to find out where you are. 
um, and photos. Um, apps sometimes can request access to your photo roll. There's microphone. Um, there, there's a number of other things in there that, that you can take a look at and decide whether you really want an app to have access to those things. Again, sometimes these things are just a one-time request. It, it doesn't really need permanent access to it. And so you can turn it off and the app will still function fine. The only app that requests access to my microphone is Instagram. And that's because you can record videos with Instagram and obviously you want sound. Location services, on the other hand, there are dozens of apps. And that's a good one to go through from time to time because, you know, people install new apps. They don't pay attention. They get a dialogue, allow, don't allow. They tap allow. They ignore it. But it, it could be useful to look through the location services to see how many different apps have requested your location. Why has PayPal requested my location? That's strange. The Apple News app, Apple Maps, of course, that makes total sense. Google Maps, any camera app. I have a third-party camera app. Dark Sky, a weather app. It's normal that they request my location. But there are some apps where I kind of don't understand. Why does Apple Watch Faces want my location? That should be part of the Apple Watch operating system. Yeah, it's definitely worth reviewing, um, going through all of these lists. And and you should question, why, why, is, why did this app request that permission? If you don't know... Just turn it off. You know, there's no harm in that. At, at the worst, the app might prompt you to turn it back on or or let you know, hey, you know, we, we need access to this feature for this reason. Sometimes they'll even give you specific reasons um, if, if you've got that feature explicitly turned off. Um, sometimes the app will, will notify you, hey, we want to use it for this purpose and give you the opportunity to turn it back on. And as you said, the worst case is that the app won't work or it won't perform a certain feature and you'll eventually figure out. So this article by Felix Krauss is essentially a proof of concept. And the idea of proof of concept in computer security, it has a long history, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of really interesting proofs of concept that have been out there. Um, sometimes you, you hear about proof of concept malware. So somebody will, will for example, write something that can, can do certain things to your operating system, but they don't actually go so far as to to dis cause destruction and they they're not being released publicly in a surreptitious, you know, secretive way that's going to actually infect your device. But the idea of a proof of concept is essentially that you can sh demonstrate or show um the general public that this is a something that you may want to be concerned about or you can also submit a proof of concept. If you are a researcher or developer, you can submit a proof of concept to a company like Apple and say, here's something that I was able to do. You might not want to let developers do this, or, or you might want to have a better way to mitigate attacks that might be based on this. And in some cases, the companies in questions will offer bug bounties to people who bring in vulnerabilities, proofs of concept, etc. How about some terminology? Someone who does this and then goes to a company, we call them a white hat hacker. Yeah, so white hats are generally considered to be somebody who has the user, the end user's interests in mind and wanting to protect their security and their privacy and will not typically release um, information to the public until they've already talked to the developer and usually the developer has issued a patch before the specific details of that attack or potential attack 
have been made known to the public. Then you have on the opposite end, you've got a black hat hacker, somebody who exploits vulnerabilities um, for fun and profit, perhaps. Sells them to the highest bidder. Right, right. Do gray hat hackers exist? Yeah, they're, uh, gray hat is, is kind of, uh, you could consider that somewhere in between. So Is that kind of like Gandalf saying, you shall not pass? <laughs> You've got some clearly defined, like what white hat and, and black hat is more are more or less clearly defined, and gray, gray hat is kind of somewhere in between. But but a black hat hacker is usually an uh, an attacker or, or 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 somebody who doesn't necessarily have the end user's best interests in mind. So we mentioned proof of concept earlier. Another term that we use is in the wild. So a proof of concept is something that someone has spotted, and as you say, they're telling a company, a developer, etc but it's not released and in the wild is when it is released and when it's become contagious. Right. So if, if there's a, a vulnerability that's publicly known and it hasn't been patched yet, sometimes you'll, you'll see it called a zero day vulnerability. So, and, and, and in particular, if, if a vulnerability is actively being exploited in the wild, then, then you've got a zero day that you need to probably be concerned about and perhaps in some cases you may need to take steps to ensure that you don't get your system infected because of a zero-day vulnerability that, for example, your operating system vendor, Apple in this case, has not yet patched. Coming up, Kirk and Josh discuss the security issues of Amazon's recently announced Amazon Key Delivery Service when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. We're only a few episodes in, but we're really happy with the number of listeners checking out and subscribing to the Intego Mac Podcast. So as a special thanks to all our podcast subscribers, Intego wants to give you something more. 50% savings on Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier. Home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier. Parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout to save 50%. That's Intego Podcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Indigo's Mac Premium Bundle X9. And remember, all Indigo products have been updated for compatibility and are ready to install on the latest Mac operating system, High Sierra. It's a great time to save 50% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 using the promo code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Josh, if you're like me, you probably shop at Amazon a lot. It's convenient. The prices are usually pretty good. They have a world-class selection. And hey, Amazon Prime, next day delivery for free here. It's two days in the States, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, in some areas um, where I work, um, I can actually even get same-day delivery for certain products. So they're awesome. I, <laughs> I love Amazon too. Yeah, I don't get same-day delivery. I live in a rural area next to a farm, and they haven't yet rolled that out. But Amazon has recently announced something new, which when you first hear about it, it sounds like a good idea. But the more I think about it, I just don't really understand why anyone would want to do this. They're calling it Amazon Key. 
It's for Amazon Prime members only. And you buy the Amazon Key in-home kit for $250. And this includes a surveillance camera and a smart lock. They'll install it for free. The lock is probably compatible with most doors. And you get an app for your iPhone, probably for Android as well. And what this allows Amazon's drivers to do is unlock your door and leave your packages when you're not there. Now, am I wrong in thinking that this is just totally crazy that I would let Amazon open my door? <laughs> well, it is kind of a funny concept, isn't it? Uh, th that just any delivery person could just come up and open your door. Now, a Amazon does say that they've taken security into consideration. So they don't just let anybody just come up to your door and claim that they're, you know, with Amazon. They actually have to have, it looks like the delivery person has an app on their phone or, or other device that they carry with them that allows them to give you a notification that they're on their way to your home to deliver um, a product. And once they get there, they have to request access to unlock your, your home. So if you, for example, are going to be home, if you know you're going to be there when this delivery is going to occur, you can block that so that the delivery person will not have access to your lock. So, and they, and Amazon says that the delivery driver, whoever is, is always going to knock first before they attempt to unlock your, your door. So they, they've kind of taken some things into consideration. It's not just that anybody can walk up to your door and, and unlock it and, and put in a package. It had specifically Amazon delivery drivers um, that have been included in this, uh, in this program and who have had background checks according to Amazon and so forth. So they say that, you know, we're, we're doing everything that we can to keep you safe. And the reason that they're including the camera as part of the kit is because they want to make sure that that their delivery people know that they're being watched and so that they're not going to try anything funny and also to give you the ability to see what's going on at your door. So um, as soon as that lock is engaged or you know as soon as it's unlocked that camera is is active and and monitoring what's going on at your front door. So the idea is you have this camera pointed at your front door and it's recording exactly what's happening as that package is being put inside and as the door is being closed and then the camera deactivates once your door is locked again. Right. So Amazon says that there are special drivers for this in-home delivery and that they're thoroughly vetted with comprehensive background checks and motor vehicle records reviews. I think Lee Harvey Oswald would have passed a background check and a motor vehicle record review. So I'm not really convinced that Amazon's vetting is going to be sufficient. See, here's, here's the problem. You've got one variable, the Amazon driver. Maybe they decide to go rogue and rob every house they go to one day and then hit the road and head down to Tijuana. The other possibility is someone who's been casing out your house and knows you have one of these locks. And when the Amazon driver comes there, they hold them up. They get into the house without breaking in. Okay, they're going to be filmed, but they'll have, you know, some sort of a mask on or something. Um, but once they get past the camera, there's no film anymore. Then the third possibility is, what about law enforcement agencies? Will they, will Amazon have to grant them access 
to these locks if they want to get into a house or if if the CIA or something, I know we're getting paranoid here, but if the CIA or someone wants to get into the house, will they have to get access? And finally, what if a hacker gets access? I, I'm very against this whole smart lock thing for a couple of reasons. One, you could get locked out of your house. And two, a hacker can get access to the lock and let themselves in. Yeah, those, those are all definitely, I think, concerns that um, people should at least consider and and weigh the, the pros and cons. And, and this really brings up an interesting topic of security versus convenience. And, and typically, convenience um, is kind of the enemy of security. You, have, um, you can either be ultra secure and have fewer conveniences, or you can have lots of conveniences and potentially have a lot less security. I looked up how much these smart locks cost. They go from $150 to maybe $250, and the cost of the camera and the smart lock is roughly equal to the 250 you pay and you might want to keep that camera on all the time and i have i assume that you can keep the camera on all the time and use it as a security camera beyond its use for amazon so it would be roughly the same cost as buying these two devices yourself but the convenience of getting an amazon delivery when there are so many other ways to get amazon deliveries i know you've got amazon lockers and places where they can be dropped off over here, they'll just leave a package with a neighbor. If you're in a neighborhood where there's no neighbor's home at all during the day, I'd be worried about any other possibilities of people prowling around houses. I wouldn't be so concerned about getting, you know, the latest video game or, or box of diapers from Amazon. Right. Yeah. So I guess, again, it's 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 a matter of weighing pros and cons. Do you really need to have that delivered inside of your home it, it depends on your neighborhood. I mean, honestly, that, that's a big part of it, isn't it? So I can imagine if you're a small business and let's say you're a business and you don't have people in your office all day, it might be very practical to have one of these. Amazon also says that certain other services will be compatible with Amazon Key. And they list a couple of, um, of examples. They list, list a particular maid service and a particular dog walking service that they say will work with Amazon key and there presumably will be many other partners that will be added to this program as well. So it's not merely just, you know, an Amazon driver delivering a package. There are other potential uses for this. You could also share access to your home with other people. And that's kind of a typical smart lock scenario. You can also remotely unlock your your front door for somebody if you uh, if you want to just from from an app on on your phone so you don't necessarily even have to in advance give somebody else access to your amazon key you could have somebody who's at your front door request access and then you could let them in so there's lots of different scenarios where this could potentially be useful it, a lot of it really depends on whether you need or want people to be able to enter your home when you're not home. Yeah, and, and Amazon says no more hiding the keys under the mat. Frankly, I think people stopped hiding keys under mats, you know, 50 years ago. But it is a good point. Let's say you've got guests and they don't have a way to get into your house and you can grant them access with this. But that's what you can do with any smart lock, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can do this with, with other smart locks as well. Um, I, I guess the convenience of Amazon Key is then Amazon has access to specifically be able to to make deliveries within you know inside your home whenever um, you 
you purchase a compatible product or because of Amazon's partnerships with other companies, it makes it a little bit more convenient for you in certain circumstances than just your typical average smart lock that doesn't have special Amazon integration. But uh, you, you make an interesting point about hiding a key under the mat. I, there are still people who do that. If, if you, if, in fact, if you do an Amazon search, you can find lots of, uh, you know, fake rocks and all kinds of nonsense, you know, that, that oh, you just, just put your key in here. Um, somebody uh, recently was showing me that there's a lock, a padlock. <laughs> that you can hide your home key inside. So for example, if you have a, a shed in the backyard or something and, and you've got a padlock on that, it's got a, uh, a number combination. Um, when you unlock that padlock, you can also get your key, your home key out. So, so it's still an industry that exists, you know, this idea of, of hiding your key somewhere. So, Comparing hiding a key under a mat or in a fake rock to having a system that you can choose to let people have access to your home, whether you're there or not, um, I would say that probably the Amazon key system is more secure, more safe than just hiding a key somewhere around your front door. Interestingly, I lived in France for a very long time, and they have a standard-sized mailbox that I'm not sure that you have to have it, but I think they try to require everyone to have it. It's about 10 inches by 10 inches by 15 inches, and all the mailmen have a key, and delivery companies have keys as well. So you can get packages delivered into that box relatively securely. Anyone could break the box with a sledgehammer, obviously, but you know, it's locked and, and people aren't going to be able to open it very easily. So you can get small packages delivered very securely. And that's not something that you do in the States at all. That is really interesting. I, I hadn't heard that about France. Yeah. Uh, where my mother lives in South Carolina, she lives in a, a small development and the houses are grouped by about eight or 10. And next to the mailboxes, there's a large box for packages. And when a package is delivered, the delivery person takes a key out of the package mailbox and puts it into the mailbox of the person who got the package. So they know to check the package mailbox. So it's a similar kind of system. But we have to remember that Amazon's doing this because it's useful for Amazon. It costs them a lot more to not deliver a package than it does to deliver it. I guess they probably had a lot of packages that they've left in front of doors that have gotten stolen, particularly things that are valuable. I know here, I, I hear stories of, of people, particularly in London, where the Amazon drivers just toss the packages into the backyards of houses and you may come home and you'll have an email saying a package was delivered and you'll look for hours before you find it. That actually happened to me once. See, so it's not <laughs> just over here. Yeah. So I guess if you've got the $250 to spend and if you really order from Amazon a lot, and if you have the other needs like a dog walker, a house cleaner or whatever, it could be useful, but I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. As as interesting as the concept is, yeah, this is not something that I think I would buy into. Okay, well, thanks for talking about this today, Josh, and we'll be back next week. Stay secure. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Josh Long and Kirk McElhern. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. 
Links to topics and information Josh and Kirk mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>